Welcome to the Cultured Broad Podcast, where we like to pretend that we're more sophisticated than we really are. I'm your hostess, Rasha Shaker. Hello, welcome to Cultured Broad. This is your hostess, Rasha. And with me today, I have Laura Mandolinsky, the director, co-writer, and co-executive producer of the film Two in the Bush. How are you today, Laura? I'm doing good. How are you? Great. Um, I just want to say, first off, I watched the film. I fucking love it. I love it. I actually I actually got teary-eyed toward the end. Like, it was really good. It, you know, um, you know, the film is a romantic comedy, and um, it's, it's absolutely that, um, of course, in the non-traditional sense. So um, why don't you just start off by telling me why you shot this film? Um... Well, let's see. There are a lot of reasons why, but the absolute main, you know, top of the list reason is because just like I really wanted to make a movie and I wanted to make a movie that I knew I would have a unique ability to make it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like I did all of this research into all of these different facets of my life, like things that make me unique. And I found out that there's just not really any movies about dominatrixes or working in a dungeon or being bisexual even and polyamorous relationships and all of that stuff. And so I was just like, man, like I, we really need a movie that, you know, touches on all of these things, but also we need a movie that does that and is, you know, funny and sweet and uplifting and cool and fun. And like, so we made that movie. <laughs> like that's, that's that's the main reason. It was because there is no movie like it out there. And so, okay, we're going to make it. We're going to put it out there. Yeah. So, and that was one thing I did notice about the film, because as you said, there aren't a lot of movies that focus on dominatrix, BDSM, sex work, uh, polyamory, you know, queerness. And the films that are out there, um, are they just focus on the sex part and not so much the relationship part, whether it's just almost as if it was like a pornographic film. And, you know, watching this film, I felt very connected to the characters in the fact that it was it was human. It was interpersonal and the characters, they all like mingle together inter- interchangeably and um, kind of tell me about the inspiration behind each of the characters and why you know they are who they are oh wow that's a fun question no one's asked me that question yet so I'm excited no one's asked me that one um well they like a little bit they'll be like what are the inspiration for like the main character or something but I think it's because they already know um the main character Emily uh was is definitely me like is and isn't you know largely inspired by my own um, personality and relationships and mannerisms, like a lot of the awkward, like, ah, hi, you know, um, and stumbling and stuff like that is just like how I am as a person. And like a lot of her journey, uh, is reflective of my own journey mm-hmm. through life. Um, and then the other people though, you know, like, um, uh, like, I'm just, sorry, I'm trying to think. I'm like, who should be first? Um, I'll do Rosa, who's played yes. by Marissa Dupre. Oh, Emily's played by Sarah Mitchell. I always like, 
I always want to call them by their like actors' names, you know, like instead of the characters' names. So it's like tricky. I might like screw up sometimes. Totally, that's but, fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rosa, the best friend, um, is like totally my best friend. My best friend is Bryn, and she's just this effervescent little like fun, weird, super supportive super unique person who's just like the best friend you could ever hope for. And what's really cool is that I had this like idea of her in my mind. And then we hired Melissa Dupre to play the character. And Melissa's like, how much of this can like I play with, you know? And I was like, make it yours. Just like go make it completely yours into the character that you think it should be. And she did. And it's, it's such a great character. And then Nikki was inspired by uh, one of the girlfriends I've had in the past, um, who was a dominatrix and worked at a dungeon. And actually, the dungeon that you see in the movie is the dungeon that she worked at. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, like, and that's how we ended up filming there was because I knew the um, dominatrix who owns that dungeon. So when I was like, oh, I need a dungeon for my movie. Wait a minute. Like. Lady Sophia at ChicagoDungeonRentals.com, like, reached out to her and was like, hey, can you, like, give me the space for a day of filming? And, like, what will that cost? And she was she was just like, oh, we'll work something out. I probably shouldn't say how much because she was, like, really good to me and I'm very poor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they also used, like, the bigger space for that in the TV show Easy. Uh, and then uh, Ben was just kind of, I've never really met Ben in real life, but he was kind of like, Kelly and I created him, and we always worried that we didn't do a good job, that we're like, we've never really fallen that hard for a guy. Um, And so we were like, okay, let's just try and, like, build the best man we can. And then we're like, oh, no, like, is he, like, not masculine enough? But, you know, like, we get, like, Travis playing him, and we're just like, oh, my God, no, we did a perfect job. We did an amazing job. Like, he's such a great character, and we're so happy, like, how it all turned out. Yeah, I wish there were more Bens in the world. We're severely lacking them. Ben's a dream. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And Travis did such an amazing job playing him, too. Like, I just was, I just shared on our social media that scene where he says, like, you know, like, I know you enough and like, I believe in you. And every time I watch him in that scene, like, I'm just like, Ooh, I got chills. Like, Oh, it's feeling warm in here. Oh my goodness. Ooh, <laughs> such a good, oh, you did such a good job there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, was there difficulty in writing these characters? Like as they were like intermingling with each other, like I can only imagine, you know, writing out the relationship of two people, let alone three, and you add Rosa, you know, there's like four mm-hmm. people, four characters that are intermingling with each other. Was there difficulty or was there a challenge in kind of like portraying that in, in, in the film? Um, Not so much in portraying it in the film. I feel like once we got to that final draft of the script, like we were like, we got this, we know what we want, it's going to be cool. Um, but getting like the script there, like when the story first started out, it was something I had written to be like a web series about a bisexual polyamorous, you know, woman going through life and going on dates and trying to navigate like both accepting herself as well as like 
you know, finding love. And then um, I was like, oh, you know, if I'm going to do a web series, I should do a feature. Um, and I was like, or somebody was like, why don't you do a feature instead of a web series? And I was like, why don't I? And so I was like, okay, like, I never thought I could. And I was just like, all right, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. Um, so I started writing it as a feature. And I wrote the first version. And I really liked it. But I realized when I put it in the proper screenwriting format that it was way too short. <laughs> like, And so I was like, oh, we need way more stories. So I'm going to try introducing characters. And initially, I had um, you know, the, that main character, like, had Rosa the best friend, and had Nikki, and had Ben, but Nikki and Ben weren't a couple, mm -hmm. so she would, like, meet Nikki, and then she would meet Ben, and then she'd, like, date one, and then go on a date with the other, um, and it ended up becoming just really kind of confusing and repetitive, just having her do exactly the same thing pretty much with each of them, Mm -hmm. And, and so I hated like the longer script and the second version. So I went to my partner in life and love, uh, Kelly Haas. And I was like, Hey, can you help me write this in a way where it doesn't suck so bad? And I don't hate it so much. <laughs> and she was like, okay, cool. So like, first things first, let's try and focus in on like, like what is the most efficient and cohesive way that we can tell the story? And she suggested right off the top of the bat that we make Nikki and Ben a couple. And so they're already a pre-existing couple when Emily meets them. And so one, it's much easier because then I can kind of like, you know, they have their separate moments together, but I can introduce them like kind of at the same time or like, I don't know, and just made it easier. Like they don't have to do the exact same things. And then the second thing that was really cool about that was suddenly like that was like the conflict was just built in where it was like, oh, of course, like if you've ever dated a couple before or like been involved in like a V or a W or triads or anything like um, it's always kind of a issue to like 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 that feeling of jealousy, but also like that feeling of being left out and maybe like not as you know an equal partner in the relationship or you know valued as much and so you just kind of like have all of this insecurity and especially if you're brand new to it um it just kind of was like oh no yeah then we can touch on that and like it's just going to make the story so much better and so that's what we did is we just kind of like reshuffled the relationships and wrote the third version and once we had it written it was like, okay, cool. Now we just need people to play these characters and bring their personality to the characters. And holy crap, did they ever. <laughs> like, yeah, just, yeah. like, with filming, like, they nailed, like, pretty much every single take. And, like, you know, you have this, like, idea when you're a writer that, like, okay, like, this character looks like this. And I'm, I feel like some writers... And, like, directors are a little too precious about, like, how they want things to look and how they want things to come out. And I'm so glad that I wasn't at the time, that I was like, oh, that's not at all what I thought it would be. But I still was like, but it's good. It may be better than what I thought it would be. It's different. And, like, let's go with it. Let's just see. And it just, yeah, it all turned out great. Awesome. So, you know, I heard earlier on, you know, when you asked your partner, for helping it also when I was watching the film a really a, a, a good 
part of the film was not like was also like about relationships and, and education about, you know, polyamory and sex work and, and all that, but support. Like I felt like support was a very huge theme of the film as far as the characters supporting each other. Um, and the fact that you had support in making this film. And, um, I just, I love that, that, that part of it. So, um, was that intentional to have that kind of be a theme in the film support? Yeah, it was this, I had come into, you know, in doing research and watching lots of movies, I noticed that a lot of love stories, the main character gets kind of swallowed up by the relationship. Like, when you watch, like, a feature film and, like, a lot of love stories and romantic comedies and stuff like that, like, the main character, like, is pretty much defined by their relationship to the person that they want. And their pursuit of that person is, like, you know, paramount and then everything else is secondary. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, her personal journey isn't, like, kind of back burner to some of the more present issues in our movie, but it was something that we really wanted to do was show that... Like you, like the goal of a relationship shouldn't be like to be in a relationship and to like be, you know, consumed by this relationship and defined by it. It should be to like, like have a really supportive partner who's going to show up for you and is going to help you achieve your dreams and your hopes and all of that stuff. So yeah, so you have, and not like just your romantic partner, like you should also be having like that kind of loving support from your best friend and from your boss, you know, from your work, like you should have like encouraging supportive environments, like everywhere you go. And if you don't, it should be something that you are striving for and working towards. And so, yeah, you see her in these like unhealthy relationships in the beginning. And then you see her like progress to being pretty much surrounded by these really supportive relationships, like multiple ones not just the romantic relationship. Yeah, and that was something that I realized when I was getting teary-eyed, like, through the film, was that, you know, it wasn't just the romantic relationship she had that support and love from, but also from her professional relationships and, like, personal ones with her friend uh, Rosa, which I feel like, as you've mentioned, is not really covered a lot in a lot of films, you know? It's, it's sort of like the back burner, and I think that's a really important message to to get across, especially in the, you know, kind of like the interpersonal environment that we have now with, you know, in the film, Nikki or not Nikki, Emily tries doing the dating apps and, mm-hmm. you know, just really kind of shines a light in how impersonal and kind of like disconnected we as people are to relationships and um, I really like that aspect of the film and um, some of the, the scenarios in it were just absolutely hilarious. Um, were any of those scenarios based on a real life situation? Oh my God. Um, a lot of the one liners at the bar uh, were things that had been said to me and Kelly, like on dates. A lot of those things, like, they had actually been said to us. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, and then, like, the actors that we hired, like, a lot of them were friends and just, like, awesome folks and friends of friends. And so we were, like, you know, we had them say a lot of the lines, but then I really need to do an outtake reel. But we had them say a lot of the lines, and 
um, once they said, like, the ones that we had written were like, yeah, like, tell us, like, what are some of the worst things that people have said to you on dates? And so they started going. And so a lot of, like, um, parts of it, like, a couple of them got in there, too, of people just being, like, really kind of creepy. (laughs) (laughs) And having, like, fun with it. They had so much fun being, like, the worst dates ever. <laughs> um, and the scenarios, like, the sex scenarios, oh, my gosh, yeah. Like, I had a guy who um, kept talking about my – he didn't talk about my boobs. He was actually talking about my butt the whole time we were having sex. Like, the whole time he was, like, obsessed with it, where he kept being like, gosh, you have a great butt. Gosh, your butt's so nice. And I was like – you can't even see it right now. Like, <laughs> like you're not even touching it. Like, like, why do you keep bringing it up? Like, it's just weird, man. Like, move on. Like, <laughs> something else to talk to me about. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, like, of course, I've had, like, the dudes that have been like, oh, my gosh, do you want to watch some porn? And I'm like, not really. Um, nor do I want to make any. Like, that would often be a follow-up. Oh, no. They'd be like, oh, maybe we can make some. And I'm like, no. (laughs) But the cat one, um, I've had, I had a close call with that one. And I forget, like, what inspired it. It was one of those where, oh, no, I think maybe what inspired it in part, I'd have to ask Kelly, because maybe Kelly, like, had a real life moment. But I'm thinking, like, maybe it was me just thinking about, like, my cat, because, like, the cat in the thing is mine. And the, like, owning four cats, I own four cats. Or I did at the time that we made the movie. And I'm like, man, I wonder if that would actually happen. Like, if I had somebody over, like, imagining worst case scenario, if someone was dating me, like, that's that's what would happen. Is, like, I would accidentally maim them with one of my cats being, like, into whatever was going on. And it's like, (laughs) I'd bonk my head and, like, have to put a tampon in it and it'd be hilarious. (laughs) Like, can't see yeah. my favorite one. Oh yeah, and it was so great too because like Elle Walker was just fantastic, and um, like we hadn't planned on having that character. Like we didn't write that character to be trans, but when Elle Walker tried out for the role, we were just like, "You're amazing, and we love you." And oh my gosh, can you please be in this role for us? And, like, we'll adjust it accordingly. And, yeah. And, like, just her face when she has, like, that thing <laughs> stuck up her nose is the funniest face. I need to make a gif of it or something. Because she just looks, like, so over it. Like, no. <laughs> just get out of my house. And I'm, like, I feel like that face that she's making with the tampon stuck in her nose is, like, the face that I have as a reaction to most things in life. <laughs> Definitely a mood. That that whole <laughs> was a mood. Like just a <laughs> That's a super mood right there. Yeah. Um and that that's another thing when I noticed um that character is that, you know, this film was very, you know, inclusive of different um, you know, roles you had not just you know um lgbt but you also included you know lgbt of color and you know i think that's important especially now that um we're in a, a space where um 
talking about, you know, being queer is is acceptable, but also for the fact that, um, you know, queer people of color are included in that, too. Um, so that's amazing. And um, <clears throat> no, totally. Like, it's yeah. one of those where with like the in the Chicago scene, um, like in the communities that we're trying to represent, you know, we're trying to represent you know, the queer community and the kink community and the sex worker community and the polyamory community. And like in all of those communities that I was a part of and that Kelly and I were a part of in Chicago, like those communities all contain like heavy amounts of people of color. So like, why, why wouldn't they be in this film? And it was one of those, when it came to casting, it was like, you know, I don't know if you've like ever done casting for a movie. I had never done it. And yeah, I had never done it before. And like, I learned a lot in the process. Like we had put open race for all of the characters pretty much, except for Kenneth. Cause I really wanted Kenneth to be a white dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wanted to be a straight white dude. Um, but everybody else, like it was open. It was just like, you know, and I just knew I really wanted a diverse cast. Like we all did like me, Robert, Brittany, Kelly, everyone like, who was in this from the beginning were like, yes, like we need, like we, we wanted at least a 50, 50 split. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like in the casting though, like you put open for a character and most of the time you end up with people who are white, um, mm -hmm. and very little like actors of color, like will audition for it probably because they think that, you know, without like saying explicitly, like we're looking for, you know, um, like a black actor or a Latina actor or like a Chinese actor or something like that. Um, without saying explicitly, they're like, Oh, they probably don't want me. They probably just want white people. And like, they don't even care. So it was kind of a challenge initially, but we had this amazing casting director. And once we were like, look, we really, really want a very diverse cast, like, and we're pushing for it. And like, we won't accept anything else. She was like, all right, got it on it done and like made it happen and we were also like we want to hire as many like queer actors as we can and like you can't really ask people <laughs> if they're queer when you hire them to be in your movie and act in it but we could put it out there being like yeah you know and like the casting director knew a lot of the actors and knew whether or not they were queer and she'd be like yeah you should really like you know try out for this role like they definitely you know are cool with that and then also we wanted like as many sex workers as possible. So we're like anyone, you know, who has done sex work, if you know any dominatrixes, if you know any call girls, if you know any cam girls, if you know anyone in burlesque, uh, strippers, like anybody like who does sex work, we would really like to, and is also an actor. We really like to hire them for this. And she was like, on it, got it. Like, so you end up with um, multiple like burlesque, drag drag kings drag queens bio queens we had a lot of like amazing like performers who were like doing cameos throughout the thing and like a couple dominatrixes too and yeah so like this film is packed with like the best like cast that i think uh we could have ever hoped for that's awesome and um you know as a filmmaker in the the industry um what what are some things that you you think need to be done to kind of open up the conversation more about diversity in, in film and casting? 
I think it's one of those things where like, you know, coming into it as like, I'm, I'm a white girl. I'm a bisexual polyamorous white girl, but I came into it being like, Oh, that's probably enough. You know, like just putting Mm -hmm. on the call sheet open, you know, like race, you know, semicolon open. And I was like, Oh, that's totally enough. And like, that'll like be a good signal to everyone. And like, I don't really have to do anything more. And going through this entire process, I've realized you just have to be very, very proactive. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and then also in your crew, like it was really important for me to have a, you know, predominantly femme crew as well as like as many queer people as possible, as well as many people of color as possible. Like I really wanted like a super diverse cast as well as crew and that's just something that you can't you can't just kind of like hope that it'll work out that way you have to be really proactive and go out there and like say to your casting director like no seriously like I want at least like 50% non-white actors you know in both the main cast and the supporting like when you're crewing up you know like don't be afraid to like um uh, I guess it depends on like who the producer you're hiring and stuff like I'm different because like I did a lot of the hiring myself um so it was just like reaching out to people and seeing like who was available but it also was lucky you know like I the place I went to for PAs like I went to um this amazing organization in Chicago called Free uh oh shoot now I screwed it up um I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I want to say it's like free spirit, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, but it's this amazing organization. I'd worked with them before and I, um, just called them and I was like, Hey, I know you have a program where you kind of like give some of your students, um, like a PA boot camp. Like, do you have any like that might be interested in working on this film? Like, again, it's, you know, romance a comedy, it's about a bisexual woman. So like, we're looking for like queer, you know, women, like uh, people of color, like anybody like that would be interested in supporting something like that. And they were like, oh yeah, sure. And so they like sent us like all of these resumes and every single person, I was like, you sound awesome. <laughs> like, here's the copy of the script. Let me know if you consent to like working on this. Cause that was also a big deal too, is I wanted to make sure that every single person had read the script and like felt comfortable with the subject matter, wasn't offended by anything and, you know, was just enthusiastic and wanting to support it. So that probably also helped when we actually got to shooting that we had this amazing team who had all read the script and all knew exactly what they were getting into and were super down for doing it. Um, I wish I could remember. Hold, I'm actually going to look on my phone. Ask me another question and I'll look up, like, making sure I get the right thing. Yeah, I mean, that's just fantastic. And you brought up an excellent point, you know, about the the need to not only just say, hey, this is open to everyone, but, like, kind of backing it up and being proactive in it. And um, it's not just for film and all that. It's for, like, all different industries that, you know, I think we as a society need to be more aware of, especially, um, you know, um, white people and allies. They need, they can't just, you know, just say it. They need to actually practice what they preach and and learn. Exactly. Yeah, you can't just be like, Oh yeah, that's something I support, but then do nothing about it. 
Like you, you have to make phone calls. You have to directly tell people like what you're looking for, what you want and be like, how can we make this happen? How can we achieve that? And what do we need to make it work? Um, and yes, I actually looked it up. It is Free Spirit Media in Chicago, Illinois. Great organization. <laughs> awesome. Um, we're just close to wrapping up, but um, I just wanted to say again, I absolutely love the film. I'm I, so glad you liked it. I loved Yay. it. Yeah, and I can't wait to, you know, show it to my dear friends and and people that I know in the community, in the LGBT community, that I know will love this film and feel appreciated and represented in a film that they, I, I absolutely know that they'll relate. And I mean, everybody can relate to it. It's not just like the LGBT community, but anybody who's a human who has gone through a terrible relationship and has gone, you know, and bettered themselves and found people that like truly care about them and, you know, the big words support them. Like, everybody should watch this film. Like I get, like I got teary eyed. I feel like everybody will get teary eyed, you know? So, um, the film's coming out December 17th on the comedy dynamic dynamics network. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> uh, December 17th on the comedy dynamics network, which includes like a whole bunch of stuff. Um, like I can't even list all of the different formats. Like if you go to comedydynamics.com, like, there will be a page for our movie and then you can see like all the links on December 17th of all the places you can watch it. But it'll be like Amazon, iTunes, Apple TV, like probably Voodoo, like all, all the big ones that you usually rent movies from. Yeah. It'll probably be there. Like, awesome. Well, you know what, when that day comes out, I'm going to be spreading it like wildfire and I'll absolutely be putting links to, the places where people will be able to watch it on my blog. Um, so that's it, folks. Two in the bush. Laura Mandolinsky with me today. And um, when it comes out, all of you definitely have to watch it and um, kind of, like, get teary-eyed and, and kind of root behind all the characters and make Rosa your best friend, too, because I felt like she was mine during the whole thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> well... Thanks again, Laura, so much for taking the time to talk with me today. And um, I wish you the best of luck with whatever other projects you have. And if you have anything else coming up, I'd love to have you back on the show. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, Kelly and I are working on another script. It'll probably take us three years, just like the last one did. Um, <laughs> but it should be really cool. It'll be a fun one where, like, uh, it'll be a horror comedy where strippers save the world from like a yes. zombie apocalypse. I <laughs> I'm ready. Give me the link when it's ready. I will watch oh. the shit out of it. <laughs> Love the concept already. Love oh, it. I'm so excited. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so funny and awesome. And like, I'm thinking like, I want to do like uh, Sam Raimi, like Evil Dead, kind of like just buckets of blood, like Dead Alive or something, just like super oh funny God. shenanigans, but all in a strip club with some badass strippers that are going to save everyone from the end of the world. I'm <laughs> living, I'm living for it. I'm already <laughs> living for it, and it's not even here yet. <laughs> oh, oh thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much for doing this interview with me. You were such a joy. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, um, you know, that's it, folks. I mean, two in the bush, you 
have to definitely check it out and make sure you find Laura on social media and like follow whatever she's doing, her projects and all that. I definitely will. Like I'm already like, I'm a fan now. Like I love it. Gonna make me blush. (laughs) All right, Laura. Well, you take care. And uh, so does, and hopefully the star of the show behind you, the little kitty, (laughs) Frankie. Mm -hmm. Um, Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much. Thanks. This has been the Cultured Broad Podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter by going to culturedbroad.com. Until next time. <laughs>